This is Truth Encounter, and our last time together, our study leader, Dave Wardson, began our inquiry into Deuteronomy chapter 24. Why did God give these strange regulations about remarriage after divorce? Why did he even mess with such a difficult situation? I thought he was perfect and uninvolved in the tangle of human difficulty. Here's Dave with part two of the heart of the matter. In your Bible reading, one of the questions the Lord's going to ask you again and again and again is, haven't you read? And what he's really asking you, have you really listened to me? How many of your parents have ever said, listen to me? Kids, ever hear that? Why do we say that? How many of your teachers have ever said to you, I want you all to listen to me? Why do we say that? Another way we put it, you haven't listened to me. What do we mean by that? What we mean is, we're not saying, did you get the signals that came, the vibrations that came out of my mouth, vibrating from my vocal cord, and the sound waves went through the air? Did they hit your inner ear, and did it translate into nervous pulses in your brain, and did your brain comprehend it? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, did you really connect with me? Did you understand what my heart was in that matter? Did you understand what was really going on, what I was really trying to get across? Did you enter into this miracle of communication? And Jesus' question penetrates down through the ages concerning all of our reading of God's word. Haven't you read? And I've been studying this book since I was a little kid, and the Lord comes to me and says, David, are you really listening? Are you listening to my heart? You listen to the way I really feel about things, the way I really think about things? Haven't you read? And then the Lord quotes for them that at the beginning, I want you to notice something. Jesus doesn't go to Deuteronomy 24, and our whole issue of the question of divorce and remarriage, the whole issue of divorce needs to be viewed from the perspective of what about the beginning? Jesus always takes us back to the beginning. And whether or not you've been divorced or not here, you should have a tremendous heart for the beginning. You should have a tremendous commitment to the way things ought to be. Grace enables you to recapture in the miracle of forgiveness the way things ought to be. And so Jesus takes us back to the heart of God in the Garden of Eden, and he says this, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother. He will cling to his wife. He will be united to his wife. He will stick like glue to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. That's the heart of God. That's the way God wants children in our church family to be raised. He wants them to know that from the time they're little tiny kids, that they're to live their life for God. And that as a little boy lives his life for God, and as a little girl lives her life for God, they're going to mature in God, and eventually as the Lord, if it's according to his, his will, and it's pleasing to him, he will cause them to fall in love with someone else who's committed to God, and then together they make a vow, they make a promise, they make a commitment, they make a covenant. That's what a marriage is. It's a promise. And you make a vow that you're going to join together with that person. There's a oneness. And that oneness can never be totally dissolved. In fact, Scripture says that it's not marriage, but Scripture says that if a, if a man or woman even involves themselves with a prostitute, there are elements of oneness there. There are elements of unity that take place in your personalities. Because your body and your personality are connected together. They're never divorced. 
from one another. And God is saying this, that there, there's an element of commitment. That was the intent in the garden. That's the heart of God. It's his ideal. The Pharisees had forgotten all about that. They weren't thinking about the Garden of Eden. They were thinking about all these legal ramifications. So whenever we think about the issue of divorce, we need to think of the garden. That's where we see the heart of God. That's where we see the ideal of God. That's where we see what he really desires. And Jesus, our Savior, takes us back into that garden and says, haven't you read, you've got to remember the ideal of marriage. So whether you're divorced or never been divorced, whether you feel this is legitimate ground or that's legitimate ground, one thing that all of us need to be strongly committed to is that marriage is a sacred covenant. It's a promise. And the heart of God is that once you make that promise is that you cling to one another. You stick like glue to one another. You become one in the Lord. And he says God is the only one that can dissolve that. He says man can't set that asunder. You make a promise before God, so if you're going to dissolve that promise, you need to talk to God about it. It's not about getting away from him and then trying to come up with some kind of legal justification for whether or not you can do it or not. There's agony in cutting something apart. That's the truth about divorce. Whether there's legitimate grounds or not, divorce is agony. It's agony for kids. It's agony for, for individuals. It's agony for grandparents. It messes things up. And whether or not we, we know that or not in our modern society, we need to understand it is. It's a mess. Mary and I were able to invite you to come and celebrate 50 years of living together. That's a beautiful thing. That's the heart of God. There's something really good about that. Were there struggles? Were there problems? Did you ever feel like getting out? Yeah. But we didn't. As we gather together in a home, and now we've got a whole extended family, we can look down through all the different generations, and what the Lord Jesus is reminding us, there's something good in that. It's totally different than a man that's been married three or four times, and we're now going to say, well, this would have been our 50th, but it's really our one and a half. And what we're going to do is we're going to have three wives come because we're all going to gather together and celebrate the three different partners we've had at different stages of our life. And let's have a big celebration. Nobody does that. You know when those kind of families get together at a funeral? And everything's weird. You know, they don't know whether they should talk to each other. And we all cover it up and say, well, you know, we all get along and I found happiness and you found happiness. It's a mess. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned us and we all need the joyful flow of God's grace and forgiveness. But what Jesus is telling us is there's something beautiful. There's something worth really struggling for. There's something worth really striving for. There's something worth not quitting very early. There's something really gutting it out for. Therefore, what God has joined together, don't let anybody put it asunder. I want you to realize that in our present culture today, marriages really don't mean very much. If we really had an honest talk, most of you are very cynical about a marriage. That's why I see the numbers of people that come out to marriage going down, going down, going down. It's all a media thing. There used to be a time when a couple, young couple was going to get married and the whole community would want to come out. Because it was a really special event. And all these interconnectedness with all these friends and people that had trained this young couple, they would all want to be involved. To what? It's a media thing. The dresses have to be right. The flowers have to be right. We want to get just the right media-oriented church. We want to make sure all the windows are stained glass and make sure the sun comes through with the right thing. And then our closest friends come. 
But a lot of husbands are saying, I don't want to go. Who cares? Man, they'll be divorced in eight, six months anyway. Who cares? Well, the girl's pregnant, so who cares? We're cynical. And oh, how as children of God, we need to recapture the heartbeat of God. And I want to share with all the little children, all of you adults, we have a tremendous responsibility to try to recapture the heart of God. And realizing that the intent of the Garden of Eden was one man and one woman for life. And before you make those kind of commitments, before you tell someone, I love you, be sure that the Lord has told you that he's loving that person through you. Be sure that that person is walking with the Savior. Be sure that person is one with you in your spiritual commitment. And I want to share with you, some of you never had that kind of teaching when you were kids. Some of you haven't been in and out of, a, of several different marriages. And I don't want to discourage you because the truth of the matter is you were just Canaanites, you might say. You were unbelievers. Nobody ever opened up the word of God at all to you. You just met somebody at a bar and you got drunk together and you'd end up in bed and then you figure we ought to make this justified. Let's get married. So you went to the justice of the peace and the first time it didn't work. So you tried it again two or three different times. The Lord's not coming to you to discourage you. It's his amazing grace that took you from a place of being outside of knowing what God's word was, of knowing the way things should be. And now in Christ, he says you can learn. And right there in the situation where you find yourself, you can begin to drink deeply from the realities of the way that God wants things to be. And you can start a new family that will build on that kind of a dynamic of grace. That's what the New Testament message is all about. That amazing grace that helps us to recapture the Garden of Eden. That helps us to go back and know the way things really ought to be. The Pharisees missed it because they just had all these legal things they were thinking through and not thinking through the heartbeat of God. So Jesus says, those that God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So the Pharisees asked, and why then did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Did Moses command that a man needed to send his wife away? Was that what we read in Deuteronomy 24? Was that what Deuteronomy 24 was about? No. Moses says, if this and this and this and this and this happen, then you can't have her come back to the first husband. Moses didn't command them to get divorced. You see how they twisted things? The legalist misses what the intent of the principles of God really are. So Jesus takes them back. Look what the Lord Jesus said. Verse 8. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. What is the Lord saying? The Lord is saying that the whole point of Moses' law was because of hardness of heart. I want every one of you to realize that whenever a divorce takes place, it's because of hardness of heart. And I want to clarify something. Let me talk to you about some of that hardness of heart. There can be a woman that finds out that their partner is morally impure. It can be a man or a woman. The man can find out that his wife's been playing around on him. Or the wife can find out that their husband's been unfaithful to her. And that wife or that husband can, can try to bring that person to the Savior, can try to really help them. And that person will say, oh, I believe, and I'm going to change, I'm going to be different. But as the years go by, again and again and again, the person lies, and the person disobeys, and the person is impure again, the person's unfaithful again. 
And this child of God, in the agony of their heart, is saying, I can't keep tolerating immoral behavior. I could get AIDS, because I never know who you're with. That's why the Lord added the little phrase, because of the hardness of human heart, because of the sinfulness of the human heart, there can be someone that just lives in deception, and they live in lying, and they live in immorality, and they're walking out of that marriage every day of their life. What Jesus is saying is that can dissolve a marriage. That can end a marriage. It's not his ideal, and it's because of the hardness of heart. In fact, God himself, in Jeremiah chapter 3, the prophet Jeremiah uses the law of Deuteronomy chapter 24 and says... Yahweh was married to Israel, his chosen people of God. He had to send them away. He had to give them a certificate of divorce. He had to send them away because of their idolatry, because of their immorality. And Jeremiah asked the question, can I take her back again? Can a husband that sent his wife away, can he take her back? And Jeremiah answers that question, it would be an abomination. All of you that have been in very messy situations in life, and I don't know some of the messy situations that you might be in today, but I want you to know that there's a God in heaven that doesn't just sit there in some nebulous, transcendent, no-man's land that doesn't know what it's like to find out that your heart is broken. He does. He knows what it's like to have a people that lie to him. He knows what it's like to find out that there's a person that you love very deeply has been unfaithful to you, and on and on it goes. God knows the hardness of human heart. And divorce always takes place because there's hardness of heart. There's never been a divorce on planet Earth where two people totally committed to the Lord Jesus, in love with him, wanting what he wants, got divorced. It just doesn't work this way. You say, oh, Lord Jesus, I love you. I want to live my life for you. I'm going to live every moment for your glory. And there's a husband saying that and a wife saying that. And the Lord says, well, I want both of you to go your separate ways. I want you to be single. Because you've made your, command, your marriage vows, I want you to break them. It doesn't work that way. Someone has a hard heart. That's just the way it is. And I want you to see right through the con. Because the modern society says, it's going to be great. We love Jesus. I love Jesus. You love Jesus. I love Jesus. We're going to go our separate ways because I don't really like you. Forget it. I've been in the past for too long to want to tell you something nice on Sunday morning and pat you on the head and say, you're so nice. If you think like that, you're deceived. And it's going to hurt your kids. Something dies inside of a kid when mom and dad aren't staying together. Now I want you to know from the depths of my heart, I am willing to work with you and help you to work through incompatibility. I'm willing to work through all that emotional junk that we all go through that aura that comes over our lives where we just feel like we want to get away, that tremendous passion, guys, when you say, I'm out of here, i got to get out of here, I'm going to kill somebody. You're mad, guys. Join the group of men. Men have trouble with anger. When you're angry, you don't want to hit somebody, so you want to get in the car and leave. It doesn't have to be the end of your marriage. If I ask husbands that have been married for 20 years, how many of you have ever gotten in the car and driven away? Almost every guy that's been married more than 25 years, at some time or another, they might not have done it literally, but they've all done it. They've walked into the TV room. They have gotten out of their bed and gone out to the couch. Those are hard emotions. Wives, when you're hurt, he never paid any attention to you. He never looked at it your way. 
He just destroys you. He's, he's, he's such a legalist. and he, He's pounding on your head all the time. It makes you feel like a little idiot. And man, you're dying inside and you wake up about 35 and say, man, I'm dying here. I feel like a little idiot. I don't want to live with this guy that's destroying me. Those are powerful emotions. Or suppose that you get married and you're married in an interdependent relationship where the, where the wife controls things and her husband drinks like a skunk, which enables him to not take responsibility and enables the wife to maintain her power structure. And then suddenly the, everyone gets saved. And we're going to live happily ever after. You want to bet? <laughs> Jesus starts shaking this guy up and says, hey, you need to be the leader here. You need to be a godly man here. So he says, honey, I'm going to take responsibility. He goes, she goes, wait a minute. I take the responsibility here. I've been in control here driving this little marriage automobile for a long time. You think you can make up for 20 years of acting like an idiot and about six months of godly living? Forget it. I'm in control here. I'm out of here. Those are powerful, powerful forces. You're not in a church family that's going to pretend it's easy. But you're in a church family that's going to say it's going to be worth it to try to keep your promises, to try to keep your vow. That's what Jesus is trying to get people to understand. Hardness of heart. God tolerates it. And he works to, con to get it right. But God's ultimate story is God wants to work through the hardness of heart to bring about reconciliation. You know the incredible thing about Deuteronomy 24? Is that God's law, according to the law of Moses, says if you divorce your first partner and they go out and marry another, you can never take them back. You know what the story of the Bible is? In fact, in my dissertation in Hosea, I wrestled with this for month after month after month because I thought my professors were going to kill me, and they really did. My professors did not like the fact that Hosea said that God divorced Israel. They said, well, let's call it something else. I said, call it whatever you want. Is the first marriage over? Did she walk out of the house? Did she marry somebody else? They said, yes, 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 yes. But let's not use that word, divorce, especially connected with God. Boy, that's a messed up situation. And then you, you relate it to Deuteronomy 24. It means God's forever done with Israel. God divorced her because she was unfaithful. She walked out on him, so God can never take her back. You know what the book of Hosea says? God says, my heart is moved within me. One of the most stirring passages in the, in the book of, of Hosea is Hosea chapter 11. Uses the imagery of a son that's walked away. A prodigal son. Same kind of imagery, intense relationship. And God says, I should destroy my son. But Hosea chapter 11 uses this phrase. God says, my heart is turned upside down inside of me. And God says, there's a daddy, a human daddy's love can end. But he says, I'm God and my love can't end. And God says in Hosea chapter 2, I know she's walked away from me. I know she's rank immoral, rank immorality. She is unfaithful. And I've had a discipliner, and I haven't taken it lightly. I have severely judged it. But the final story of Hosea chapter 2, the Lord says, God of heaven says, but I love her. That's what all you need to understand. You know what's going to hold your marriages together? Not that there's no way you can get out. Not that you can find some legal loophole. You're not going to ever make it that way. Some of you that have already been divorced, you say, Dave, how can we make it in our present marriage? We need a miracle down deep inside of our heart, and it's a gift that comes from God. 
where you say down deep in your soul, but I love them. I choose them. I don't even know the reasons why, but I do. That's what holds a marriage together for 50 years. If it's held together just by law, then it's a sick marriage. There's nothing sicker than living for 50, 60, 70 years with someone that you don't love. And God doesn't want anyone to do that. But God wants to give the gift of love to every one of you. God entered into the hardness of heart. What we've learned in this text is that it's not a legal issue. Divorce is not a legal issue in Scripture. God's thrown the legal book out. God is saying to all of us, for all have sinned and all come short of the glory of God. Some of you like, are like Mary and myself. You know, I haven't even kissed another woman romantically besides Mary. And some of you say, well, Dave, man, I blew that my first day of junior high school. And some of you have been involved with six or seven women down through the course of your life. You know what God says to both of us? You've all sinned and come short of my glory. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My question to you today, how soft is your heart? My question to me today is how soft is my heart? Some of you are wrestling with some really tough issues in your marriages. And I want you to know that God is with you. He knows what you're going through. He understands. He's been there. And all he's asking you is, are you soft in your heart towards me? And he'll help you. In the messiest situations, if your heart is soft towards him, he'll help you to eventually find love. He'll help you to eventually find himself and to have him near. In your marriages, we have young marriages and old marriages. Is your heart soft or are you dying inside because you've allowed your heart to become hard? Jesus' question penetrates down through the ages. Haven't you read because of the hardness of heart? But the Savior that died for us and the Savior that rose again wants to take not the school of Philel, not the school of Shammai, but the school of the loving Daddy in heaven and say, let me take your hard heart and make it new. Let me change it. Let me make it soft. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the power of the gospel to bring hope and grace into our lives. Father, the Jewish tradition and our evangelical fundamental tradition has argued legally about the question of divorce over and over again. I just would pray that we'll realize that we just can't get to your heart going that direction. Father, real love is not neat and tidy. But Lord, it helps us to be able to really get close to somebody else. I'd ask you, Lord, that we would not try to use your word to try to find some justification for what we want to do. Instead, I pray that we would use your word to reveal your heart to us and your love to us and your insights to us to know how to take messy situations and find a way out of them. Lord, today I just would pray that we would be committed to the Garden of Eden, to recapturing that garden through the power of Christ one day and to have glimpses of it today. I'd ask you, Lord, that we would realize that, that your son's heart takes the marriage promise very seriously. I'd ask you, Lord, for maybe some 
some of those that are listening that are wandering into hardness of heart. They're wandering into immorality. They're wandering into sin. They're wandering into lies and deception and craziness. Lord, I pray that you would turn them away from that. I pray that you would bring them back to the truth of your word. I'd ask you, Lord, for some of those that are trying to think through what they should do because of a partner that's acted like that. I pray that you would give them day by day the wisdom they need from you, the balance of not condoning sin, of letting you deal and discipline with somebody. But Lord, protect them from the satanic attack that could cause their heart to become hard. I'd ask you, Lord, that these times of great trials in our lives would move us to cling to your heart and to run to your presence and to depend upon you totally in prayer. And Lord, most of all, I just would ask you that you would just destroy hardness of heart wherever we find it. And I pray that there would be the joy of a new heart, the joy of transformed lives. I'm so thankful that we've learned today that your story with us is a story where you take someone that has an immoral, unfaithful, dirty heart, and through the power of the resurrected Christ, you make it new. And you can cause couples that have had all kinds of dirtiness in their life and their, in their past, all kinds of rejection of you, all kinds of turnings away from you, sometimes even in ignorance because they didn't know. And Lord, you come to them today and say that your dear children, you say that it's all forgotten. Your past is totally forgotten in my presence. And I see you totally new. And I take the present relationship that you're in right now and I want to bless it. I want to make it a place where you can learn about my love and my grace. And so, Lord, I just would pray that you would help us to be able to, to deal with everything from a concept of grace where it will not cause us to tolerate evil, but it will cause us to cling to what is good. It will enable us to forgive, but it will also give us tremendous strength to do right. 